1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, and starting in verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep, or won't go before them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet them in the, meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Well, today is, this week, another uh, hard time in the life of Buffalo Valley Baptist Church. It's hard for us as we mourn the loss of our dear sister and, and sister in the flesh, mother, mother-in-law, grandmother, great-grandmother, sister in Christ, faithful church member. And it's my prayer this morning that God's word will bring us comfort and comfort to the people of God. And with this view in view, I want to preach this morning on hope in sorrow. Hope in sorrow. See, Paul wrote this letter, 1 Thessalonians, was a letter he wrote to the church that was having a hard time. And one of the struggles that they were having was confusion about the coming of Christ and what would happen to their dear loved ones who had trusted in Christ, but had passed away. Paul established this church, and then not very long after, he got run out of town because he was persecuted. And so there were a group of young believers, and they had a lot of questions, and their questions kind of unnerved them a little bit. What happens to our loved ones who have died and are already buried? If Christ is coming again, what's going to happen to those who've already passed? The grief for their departed loved ones was multiplied because they were unsure what was going to happen to them. They just didn't know. They weren't, they weren't certain uh, what would happen to their bodies, and, and it caused some confusion, and that confusion and that uncertainty caused them some grief. And Paul addresses that subject, and his words are the theme for the message this morning, what Paul said will guide us in what we will think about in hope and sorrow. The scriptures give God's people hope even in death. Because our hope is in Jesus Christ who rose from the dead. So I'm going to look at it from three different ways this morning. First, comfort from knowledge. We're going to have comfort from the knowledge of what the Bible says about life and death. And then there's Christian sorrow. There is sorrow, and there's Christian sorrow, but there's also, thirdly, gospel hope. So those are the three things we're going to go through as we consider what Paul said here in this text. First, comfort from knowledge. So at the close of this fourth chapter, Paul provides comfort to believers whose loved ones who have died in the Lord. 
And he starts with a desire for them to know certain truths about believers who have died. Ignorance might be bliss in some regards, but ignorance about biblical truth is not bliss because it's the road to multiplied sorrows. To be unconcerned with what the Bible teaches us about life and death, about resurrection, about what happens to people when they die. If you don't have answers to those things, it's not bliss, but confusion and anxiety and sorrow. Comfort for God's people through faith in the promises of God in Christ. True faith is knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is assenting to that knowledge, meaning I believe I know that what the gospel says. I know that Jesus died and was buried and rose again. And I believe it happened. And then you trust in that. You know the promises of God or salvation are for sinners. And you believe and have faith that they are for you. You assent to that truth, truth and rest in the promises of the gospel. So there's comfort in knowledge. How can you believe in someone you don't know? My um, high school, uh, the high school basketball coach, the high school I went to, um, somebody had taken the Lord's name in vain in practice, and he'd yell at him and say, you better call on somebody you know, calling on God and you don't know him. Well, how can you call on someone? How can you believe in someone you don't know, don't know anything about? Well, there's knowledge in the gospel, or there's comfort in knowledge of the gospel. There's comfort in knowing. God doesn't want his people ignorant of truths. Not a slight, but just he doesn't want them to be unknowing. And so that's one of the gifts that God gives um, his people is in the church is the word. We gather together and we, uh, and we have Sunday school where the word is taught. We sing psalms where the word is sang. We sing hymns where um, theology is put to words. All these things teach us and, and guide us and admonish us in these songs and in hymns and spiritual songs and preaching and teaching. God doesn't want his people to be ignorant of these truths. Knowing the, what the Bible says about the state of death of believers it brings us comfort. You know, it's stressful not to know what's happening to us. It's stressful not to know what will happen to us. You ever started a new job and you get there the first day and you don't know where to go and you don't know who's in charge and you don't know where you're supposed to go? There's a little bit of stress there. Thinking about on the way there, well, I'm not sure what I'm going to do and I'm not sure what they want me to do today and I don't know what's going to happen. That, that uh, not knowing, but knowing something's going to happen can, can cause you stress. So Paul didn't want the believers to be ignorant of future things. He wanted them to know. Even the way Paul describes the dead here orients us to what happened. Did you notice how Paul described the dead? Those who are asleep. Concerning them that are asleep, he used this euphemism for death as saying that they were asleep. And when a person dies, their soul doesn't go to sleep. He's talking about their bodies. The body's laid to rest. Isn't that what we say? Isn't that how we say it? We lay the body to rest? The body 
is laid to rest, but the soul is with Jesus. Death separates the body and the soul. Paul says those who are in Christ are absent from the body and present with the Lord. What's it mean if you're absent? I know I, I know what absent means because I was uh, absent a lot in school. I didn't go. I was supposed to be in one place, but I was somewhere else. And then you get letters. Your son was absent for so many days. They weren't where, where they ought to be. Well, if your soul was absent, you are absent from the body in death. The body's in one place. The soul is in another. Absent from the body doesn't mean you're annihilated. doesn't mean you disappear. It means you're somewhere else. So the believer's soul was absent from the body, and they're safe with Jesus. But when Irma breathed her last breath because she trusted in Christ... She was absent from the body. Her body was here. But she was in the presence of the Lord. She was, is now safe in Jesus. But it's the absence that makes us sad. She is safe. She is happy. She is blessed. But the absence is what brings us sorrow. So there is Christian sorrow. It's a tremendous grief to see a loved one's body but know they're not there anymore. But Paul tells us, I don't want you to sorrow even as others which have no hope. So he's not saying don't be sorry. He's not saying don't grieve. He's not saying don't mourn. That's not what's being said there in that verse. Verse 13. There's nothing wrong with sorrow. When Stephen was stoned to death in the book of Acts, he was persecuted for preaching about Jesus and that he was stoned to death and devout men carried him to his burial and made great lamentation over him, which is an expression of grief. There's a whole book of the Bible called Lamentations, which is a poem about grief and sorrow. There's at least 40 psalms where of individual lament in the book of Psalms. And if you count uh, the, the lamenting of the whole nation of Israel, there's, um, there's well, a whole lot more. So in the scriptures, there's 40 different songs where someone is lamenting over some trial, persecution. They're sorrowful over something that's going on in their life. Christianity does not take away the problems of your life. Christianity does not give you your best life now. That's not what is promised to us in the gospel. Christianity is about Jesus who came and died for sinners that they might have everlasting life. That's why we sing psalms. That's why we have that blue book that we sing because it expresses the whole range of human emotion, not just um, the good things, but, but even the sorrowful things. And can help us express our sorrows and put words to our pain. Christianity doesn't mean that you don't sorrow. But what Paul says is that you sorrow in a Christian way. Because he said, I don't want you to sorrow like people who don't have any hope. I liked how um, I read this definition of hope and I liked how it was laid out. Hope is a desire of some good with 
at least a slight expectation of getting it. <coughs> Hope is different from a wish because it implies some expectation of obtaining the good thing or the possibility of possessing it. Hope gives pleasure because a wish may produce pain and anxiety, but hope you have the, the expectation of getting it. The difference between hope and wish is, is hope you have some grounds in reality for getting it. A wish is you wish you win the lottery or you wish somebody would, would leave you a billion dollars. You know that's not going to happen. There's, no, there's nothing in that. Where can you find hope? Where can you have hope in this life? Well, in Christ, there's hope. And I'm not talking about hope that your life will get better. I'm talking about hope even at the funeral home. Hope. That's a powerful statement Paul said there in this passage that we should reckon with. We are told, told here to have hope concerning loved ones who have died. To have hope when there is no grounds for hope in this world. To stand over the grave of your dearest and to have hope. A doctor can give you hope for a cure when someone is sick. He can say, we can, we'll try all these things and and we'll try and we'll try. And that gives you a little bit of hope. When someone's living astray, you might have hope that they'll return. Like Ecclesiastes says, for to him that has joined all living, there is hope. Or when there's life, there's hope. When there's life, there's hope. When there's life, there's hope that they might get better. There's hope that they might turn from their wicked ways. There's hope that they might, um, things might change. What about hope and death? There's no doctor that can fix that. There's no pill, there's no medicine that can fix that. An atheist has no hope in death because there's no soul, they think, and there's no afterlife, and you die, and that's it. There's no hope. There are spiritual people that have no hope. They don't believe in anything uh, concerning the afterlife. Some religions just focus on this life and don't focus on anything after that. A mere belief in God is no hope either. The devil believes in God. A belief that there's some better place is no hope because there isn't any grounds for the expectation. Just to say, well, I know there's a better place. Why do you know that? How do you know that? Well, I know I'll, I'll be going to a better place. How do you know that? And why do you know that? What ground do you have for saying that there's a better place and I know that I'll be all right? You know what that is? That's a wish. That's no different than, than saying, well, I'm going to win the lottery. Well, how do you know you're going to win the lottery? Well, I just, I just know. It's a wish. That's not hope. Because a hope implies some expectation. Some reason that you have hope. Right? There has to be a reason for it. So Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to know something. And I want you to have hope. 
I want you to have an expectation of something based upon the reason. I'm going to tell you something that you already know, but I'm going to tell you something, and that's going to be the grounds of your hope. Not a feeling, not just the way it is, but there's, there's something that happened where you can be sorrow, sorrowful, but also have hope. How can you sorrow with hope when there's nothing you can do? There's nothing anyone can do? There's nothing anyone else can do? Where you can go to hope at the graveside? There's a lot of people in here this morning that have, have seen loved ones recently depart this world. And we all have one thing in common. Every one of us have one thing in common. We're all going to die. Every one of us. There's things that we need to reckon with this morning. Where can you go for hope at the graveside? Well, you go to the one who rose from the dead. You can go to the one who defeated death, who was buried and then came back out. And that's the gospel hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which are Sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Here's the reason that you have hope. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus was taken down and he was buried. But the grave didn't hold him there. And after three days and three nights, he rose out of that grave. It's not a vision. It wasn't a spirit. It's not a metaphor. He came out of the grave. He was seen by his apostles. He was seen by other eyewitnesses. He was seen by 500 people at once. The scriptures were written in the lifetime of other eyewitnesses who could have said, no, these guys are liars. But, but this testimony that we have is sure and true. Jesus rose from the dead. He bodily rose from the dead. That was the message of Peter on the day of Pentecost. Jesus rose from the dead. That was the message of the apostles. Jesus rose from the dead. You tried to kill him. You killed him and you put him to death. You buried him. But he rose from the dead. Believers in Jesus now are united to him. We're branches in the vine. We have our life now in him. By putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we have everlasting life. We're quickened. We're given life by the Spirit of God. And we're united to Him. And because Jesus rose from the dead, we have the hope of resurrection. Remember, dear Christian, that Jesus prayed for you. You have a passage in the Scripture that Jesus, while He was on the earth, prayed for you. Look in John 17. I went down to visit Irma once, and I don't know if she could hear me or not, but uh, I read this passage to her and sat there and, and thought about what Jesus said here in John 17, 20. Jesus said, Neither pray I for these alone, talking about his apostles, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. 
How do we believe in Jesus? Through the word of the apostles and the scriptures that we have here. So Jesus saying, Father, I'm praying for these apostles, these disciples, but also for everybody else who's going to believe. What was Jesus' request? That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, and they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and has loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Jesus prayed that we would be one. Jesus prayed that we would be glorified. He prayed that his people, all who would believe upon him, would be where he is. And where is Jesus now? He's at the right hand of the Father. You think Jesus... Prayers were answered. I have hope because Jesus prayed for me. I have hope, and you can have hope, that Sister Irma, who who put her faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, is with Jesus, because Jesus prayed, Father, I will that those who believe in me will be where I am. See, I have grounds for hope. Because the Savior who died for sins, rose from the dead. And the Savior who died for sins prays for his people that they would be with him. Christians have hope because we believe in Jesus. The wages of sin is death. That's why there's death to start with. Death is common, but it's not natural. Death is unnatural. Death is a curse. Death is a result of sin that came into the world. God created the world and all was good. He created Adam and Eve and they were good and God said, don't eat of this tree. Because the day you do, you will die. And Adam in his great rebellion as our representatives ate that fruit. And God is faithful to his promise. And death came through sin. And all of sin and now we all walk around cursed. And death is coming. Because of the sin-cursed world. The Bible gives us this knowledge. You know, we all know that eventually we are going to die. Because the wages of sin is death. But there is hope. There is hope in this cursed world because the last Adam came. And he came in our stead. And he came a better Adam. A better Adam who didn't, wasn't tested in a perfect garden, but in the, the vast wilderness. He lived for us and he died for us. And in the death of Christ, all who repent and put their faith and trust in him will have the forgiveness of sins. We will be pardoned from our sins. The thing that separates us from God are sins. The wages of sin is death. Sin is breaking of the law of God. Sin deserves punishment. Sin will separate, sin has separated us from God. And if you die in your sins, you, you leave this world eternally separated from God. 
But in Christ, there is pardon of the sins that separate us. There is reconciliation between you and God through the man Christ Jesus. And by putting your faith in him, you have his perfect righteousness justified by faith. There is no longer any condemnation. All the guilt and the shame uh, that, that we have through our sins is gone. You're washed clean. You're white as snow. That there is no more uh, sin laid to our account. That the sin that we have committed has been paid for in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. The thing that separates us has been, has been uh, done away with. Cast into the sea. Never to be brought up again. There is no judgment for those who are in Christ. You can be forgiven. You will be forgiven. And the thing that separates us has been undone. You are, you are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. But, it's, but then we also have the hope that where he is now, we will also be. We have the promise of resurrection that our mortal bodies sown in death will one day be raised from the dead. And one day, child of God, one day we will see Christ who rose from the dead. One day our bodies will be raised from the dead and, and not these old bodies, not these bodies that are corruptible, that are cursed because of sin, not the bodies that are plagued with disease and plagued with arthritis and plagued with cancer and plagued with all these other ailments, not bodies that grow old, not bodies that grow tired, but glorified bodies, resurrected bodies like Jesus, bodies fit for eternity. Corruption will be a thing of the past. Sickness and pain and suffering will be no more. God shall wipe away all tears, it says in Revelation 21.4. He'll wipe away all tears from the eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any pain. The former things are passed away. See, I have gospel hope this morning. I don't have a wish. I have gospel hope, a reason to believe. I have a reason to believe that, uh, that when I die, I'll go to be with the Lord. I have a reason to tell you to trust in Jesus Christ, not because I'm just making stuff up and not because it's just a thing to do on Sunday, because there is real hope. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, listen to what Peter says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again. We're born again from death into life unto a lively hope, to a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter says, trust in the living Savior. You have a living hope in a living Savior. Peter says, don't trust this man. I know he died, but he has some good wisdom. Peter says, trust in him who rose from the dead. Give your life to he who gave his life. Trust in him who gives life who gives an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith. See, I have a real inheritance reserved in a real heaven that's waiting for me. I'm kept by the power of God. And believer, you can rejoice in hope 
because Sister Irma had faith and trust in the living Savior. She was kept by God's power through her life, and she was kept by God's power in her death. It's Christ. That is the hope. Christ. Christ in you. Hope of glory. Look to Christ. That blessed hope. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, which is our hope. And just as Jesus ascended from this earth and now sits bodily at the right hand of the Father, he's coming back. And behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Beloved, now we are the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that has this hope in him is purifieth himself even as he is pure. You have gospel hope this morning? I'm not talking about wish. I'm not talking about just hoping things are going to happen, work out right. Do you have gospel hope in Jesus Christ? Because that's the only way to heaven. If you're ever going to see Irma again, it won't by, be by having some spirituality. It won't be by just hoping she's in a better place. There's no hope without Christ. Ephesians 2.12 says that that time where you without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of God, having no hope and without God in the world. Paul told these People, he said, that time when you didn't have Jesus before you believed in Jesus, you had no hope. You walked around this world in darkness without a God in this world. You lived by your own strength, by your own wisdom, by your own um, understanding of how things work. You're going to go your own way and end up in your own way. And Paul said, that way is a way of no hope. You have no hope. No hope of life after death. No reason for it. No grounds for it. Paul says there is hope with Christ. There is hope with Christ. Think about that. You have hope. You have hope that this world is not all that there is. This messed up world where where everything's crooked. And even the good things that we have don't last very long. Even the loves that we have um, are, are mixed up. Even the best things in our life don't last. That's all that there is. If that's the truth, we're of all people most miserable. But that's not all that there is. There is life after death. There is eternal life. Life in heaven with peace and 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 gladness and joy. And that is found in Christ. The hope of the righteous shall be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked shall perish. Without Christ, you have no way of getting to heaven. Do you know where heaven is? Do you know how to get there? I know how to get to Gomart from here. I can give you directions how you get to heaven. Which way would you go? I mean, it's a place. How would you get there? 
Well, without Christ, there is no way to heaven. He is the only way. He is the door, and he's the only door. He's the way, and he's the only way. He is the life, and he's the only life. But think if you were going to die today, and it's coming, you too will breathe your last. How do you think you'll get to heaven? You know, one thing Sister Irma didn't have to worry about, she didn't have to worry about how she's going to get to heaven. The Lord is taking care of that. She trusted in her Lord. And she is safe in Jesus. Her sorrows and her pain and suffering, it's all over. She trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, who promised her everlasting life. Jesus promised all who trust in him and put their faith in him will have everlasting life. He shall not perish. We know that. We know it's true and we believe it. That's why we have hope. Christians have great sorrow. Christians weep. We mourn. But more for ourselves than those whom we love in Christ. We sorrow because we miss them. But we don't mourn without hope. Because we believe in the promises of our Lord Jesus Christ. He rose for us. He died for us. He now sits as a mediator for us. And he's coming back for us. The Heidelberg Catechism says this. What is your only comfort in life and death? What is your only hope in? What's your only comfort in life and death? <clears throat> Air conditioning is comfortable. Um, your couch can be comfortable, right? There's a lot of comforts in this life. But what's the only one that can cover over to death? Air conditioning is no comfort in death. What's your only comfort in both life and death? Well, the answer to that is that I am not my own but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood. He set me free from all the power of the devil. He preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not one hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. My only comfort in this life and in death is that I belong body and soul to my faithful Jesus. Jesus, who is faithful to keep the law of God. Jesus, who is faithful to come to this world on our behalf. Jesus, who is faithful to um, endure the hardships. Jesus, who is faithful to go to the cross. Jesus, who is faithful to bear my sins in his own body on the tree. Jesus, who is faithful to say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. To say, why hast thou forsaken me? To say, it is finished. And the faithful Jesus rose from the dead. And now, Faith or death has no hold on us. Because he rose from the dead and he is faithful at the right hand of the Father 
and he is faithful to come back and get us. That's gospel hope. That's a reason for hope this morning. And there is hope for all those who come to Christ. There is hope for everyone who believes. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. That's what he came to do. There's no hope outside of him, but there is hope in Christ and with Christ. He's the only hope in life and in death. Pray that the Lord would add the blessing to his word this morning.